right, welcome to this episode of our show, True Data Ops. I'm your host, Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior. In each episode, we'll bring you a podcast covering all things data ops with the people that are making data ops what it is today. So my special guest today is Snowflake Data Superhero, Certified Data Vault 2 Practitioner, Automation Expert, runs a couple of user groups and VP of data management for the Eon Collective, not the Borg, it's the Eon Collective, it's a little bit different, um, Keith Belanger. Welcome to the show, Keith. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Kent. That's uh, a lot of a lot of points there, but I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, well, it was good, good to see you. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, we were uh, yeah. in Vermont at the Vermont. WWDVC, uh, so, but now we're, we're back to the virtual world the virtual. that we that we all live in. So um, for the, the folks that are uh, new and may not have run across you in all your various roles, uh, can you give us a little bit of background about what you've yeah. been doing? Yeah, so just a little go back. I've been doing data warehousing for over 27 years, and most of that has had been doing in the, uh, in the Kimball methodology. And then um, you know, I think as many people over the years has come to realize as we've gained more and more source systems and we've gained more and more um, velocity, you um, started looking at what's, what's another, there's going to be another way of doing this, found out and learned about Data Vault and then started getting it. And now with the data modernization, started getting into Snowflake. So I've spent the last probably five years or so into more of the going towards the cloud-based solutions in, in Data Vault and helping organizations with Data Vault implementations or assessing their existing Data Vaults to help them in terms of their new modernization solutions. So yeah, that's been a quick rundown of my last uh, 27 years or so. <laughs> that's, that's pretty quick. That's a, that's the quickest compression of 27 years I think I've heard on this show. So. And, I, and I've had just about every role from developer to a DBA to data architect. So I've gotten to learn all of the things. So now hopefully being able to take all that experience and, and help organizations with, uh, with their, their journeys. So. Right. And, and obviously I guess uh, these days, most of what you're doing is on Snowflake. That's why you're a Snowflake data superhero. Yeah, Snowflake is definitely the primary. I mean, I think probably over ninety percent of the projects working on at this point are are pretty much been Snowflake, and, and same thing with over the years. So, have definitely uh, really ventured into learning a lot about Snowflake um, over the years. And um, from a personal perspective, it's it's I've definitely got a little bit of a passion and appreciation, and, and really enjoy working with Snowflake just because of all the years doing data warehousing, it always seemed like I was trying to fit the warehousing to the technology versus the technology being beneficial to doing warehousing. It's like, oh, here's something that really fits to what we're needing to do. And um, and they're just constantly making it better and better. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Benoit and Terry actually thought about that when they designed Snowflake. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> They weren't thinking about Data Vault, but they were thinking about or, data warehousing. It, <laughs> exactly. Out, worked and out good for the, a lot of us. Exactly. All of, you know, instead of trying to, hey, let's fit this into an OLTP type of database, let's actually use a database for doing analytics. So it's great. Yeah, exactly. Well, as I mentioned, two weeks ago, we were all in uh, Stowe, Vermont at the Stowflake Lodge there for the annual Worldwide Data Vault Consortium or yep. WWDVC. For those of you looking at my shirt there, WWDVC, that this was the conference t shirt that we all got. Um, so, uh, Give me your thoughts a little bit about what, what were the some of the hot topics we we're we we're running into there. 
Yeah, I, I I really enjoyed this year's session, and those who weren't there, I you know kind of missed out. I I thought it was definitely one of the better years that we had. Uh, we really, I have a, a very huge passion, a personal passion about around data modeling, so it was great having um, conversations around data modeling. Um, you know, we had Doug had talked about it, and then um, you know that whole we had a whole day on just you know talking about that. I really enjoyed that. I thought Cindy's discussion on how data mesh and data vault kind of, you know, the overlap between that really was great because obviously many organizations talking about data mesh um, and thinking that you got to come up with a whole new way of doing things, but yet how data vault in that aspect fits and even from uh, from automation. So um, it, the, the, the hands-on of the different solutions, getting to play with different technologies that you don't get to experience every day. And of course, my my brain starts, you know, you start saying, oh, I could do that with that one. Boy, if I could tie that one to that one. So it, it starts getting really interesting in understanding how all these tools and technologies and where we're coming. Obviously, the conversations around um, um, AI and the role, I think that's really getting big. Yeah conversations like where where is that going in in the industry so yeah so many great topics i really enjoyed um the week i was definitely mentally exhausted by the week but um it was a good time so yeah yeah no i uh i thought you know on the the ai topic was really interesting um heli from from finland her talk on data quality and while we've you know talked about the need for data quality and QA in the data warehousing world for, you know, 30 years at least. Her point was, yeah, if we're going to use the data to feed AI and machine learning algorithms, well, then we better be sure it's good data because the machines don't know good. You know, we're back to the, the old adage, garbage in, garbage out, except this time it's like garbage in garbage out magnified by like a thousand fold with potentially dire consequences because the machine's making decisions based on that data you gave them. At least, you know, when we're doing just BI dashboards, it's like, okay, a human can look at that and go, that doesn't look right. I don't know that if I want to make my decision based on that data, the machine doesn't know. You know, that's why it's called machine learning. And if you give the machine bad data, it makes decisions and it learns wrong bad things so it's like right. yeah that's that's pretty important so this whole you know testing thing is really that raised it up another level for me hearing her yeah. talk about that yeah yeah it, it was you know when i started doing warehousing right we were like hey we're refreshing the data once a month oh now we're doing it once a week now if if it's not happening at sub-second you know speed and then the decisions are being made so quickly after that like yeah having that data quality, um, it's it, it starting to get more and more, I mean, governance and data quality, right? The importance of that, to my perspective, is just getting elevated and exponentially becomes more important. You know, yeah. you can't say, oh, it's been, I have 30 days now to look at this data to make a decision. No, you have minutes. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. Uh, well, and the other thing about the conference, of course, we had the, the founding, one of the founding fathers of relational right cj date chris date actually coming and giving us a a two-hour talk about the history of relational and what he and cod were doing and what they were thinking that was that was fascinating and and then having bill inman the father of data warehousing is like you know having all that in one place and you know folks it was like 160 people at this conference it's a lovely location in stowe vermont so uh, if you have any interest you don't even have to be a data vault advocate really to get something out of this particular conference, 
right. the speakers are just, you know, mind blowing. So yeah. May, beginning of May, 2024, I'm sure it'll still be in Stowe, Vermont, um, www.dvc.com. So write that down. Uh, remember that for next year. Yeah. It, it, like I said, being a passionate modeler for, for many years, that's how I got into data. That was like the, the best day. I actually ordered his book while he was talking. I'm like, I got to dive into this a bit more. Like you said, it's wasn't just for data vault, just data management and data modeling in general was, was, uh, it was, a, it was a great day. So. Yeah. yeah Volker, hope we will see, see you, uh, see you next year. Yeah. Yes. Had a pretty good contingent from, from Europe, but, uh, you know, not, not everybody made it again this year, but hopefully yep. we'll see more, uh, best turnout we've ever had though, you know, 100, yeah. 160 folks. And like you said, all the vendors and get hands on with the tools that support it was pretty good. Um, so we've both seen an uptick in data vault implementations. And I think the, the fact that the conference was bigger than it's ever been is more evidence of that. Um, what do you make of that? Why, why are so many people now starting to look at things like, like data vault? I mean, I've been expecting it to start getting momentum as I think as more and more, I would say, prominent organizations and, and people start to realize and understand, hey, this there is value here. This does work when you're doing it right and you get that aha moment. And I think you're, you're getting more and more organizations that don't want to be the first to try it. But as you're seeing others that are leveraging it, um, I think the fact that Snowflake has a user group around it, I think that Snowflake has blogs on it you know docu they're really from their from their perspective um i i think snowflake is even quote unquote bought into it and said hey this is this is a, a way to go right and now those capabilities so it's not like this it's less foreign i think or niche i th i think you're starting to see it being um and to me once you realize it, it really is the only solution <clears throat> that can keep up with what you need to do today with the multiple systems the multiple types of data you know the speed like to go to the speed of business it, it just from my perspective you, you it just makes sense and i think others are it's kind of like well now started to jump on that train and i'm just hoping it even gets more and more uh, momentum so yeah, yeah, no, I think yeah, in my my time at Snowflake, uh, you know, started out with nobody at Snowflake really knowing what Data Vault was, uh, wrote a couple of blogs, and then we started getting customers calling and, and asking about it. And um, with the technology, the, the platform, you know, the Snowflake, yep. the Data Cloud platform enabled so much that uh, the, some of the worries that people had about Data Vault always say, oh, it's too many tables, the joins will never perform, it takes too long to perform its tune. Well, that, that, it was no longer an issue and the ability to approach the the program differently with yep. the data modeling and the iterative approach and all of that. Okay. Now it's feasible because we're still, we're able to get the performance with the right. joints. And so that particular objection went away. And like you said, I think part of the, as Snowflake became more popular and more and more organizations, bigger organizations got onto it. And then some of the bigger organizations started doing data vault. They yep. got, like you said, it became more visible. It's been around yep. for over 20 years, but yeah, it, it ended up being kind of niche for sure. And once it, it kind of got a little more publicity and, you know, people, it's just random webinars you're watching and somebody goes, oh, and we're doing data vault. Right on right. Snowflake. It's like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. What was that? You see this ar yeah. architecture diagram. It says data vault in the middle, and it's all this Snowflake and all this stuff. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Now it's just kind of people just mention it. Yeah. Uh, so it, uh, I've even seen that it's some organizations 
their way to go even to the cloud, like to go to a Snowflake and get off of their on-prem system. So a lot of large organizations have even been slower in that space. So I think even that's, you know, with more going on to Snowflake. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We got uh, somebody just uh, mentioning Data Vault 2 works best on Snowflake on top of JSON. Man, we could do an entire show. Actually, <laughs> I've done entire webinars on that by itself. So, yeah, those of you who are interested in that sort of thing, if you go out and um, go to my my blog, KentGraziano.com, and go on to the Snowflake resources page, there's a list of everything I've done. There's there's a book on JSON. There's yeah. uh, there's webinars on doing in JSON and doing Snowflake and ha- Snowflake and Data Vault and how to you know one of the patterns for imp- including JSON in a Data Vault design. So yeah, yeah we could go on forever. On we that. go for a whole another one. Yep. Yeah, that's a exactly. whole. That's like hours and hours. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so this is, you know, the data ops podcast. So I do have to ask, you know, in your mind, what's data ops and what, how does it fit into this data vault to, uh, approach that we've been talking about? Yeah. So I came across data ops actually at WWDBC last year. Um, you know, and I was, was introduced to it and I kind of dug into it. And to me, it's, we, we talk about data vault. We, you know, we talk about automation, right? Automation is a huge part of being able to deliver a data vault and just to need data modernization solutions today. And, but in the past, like, oh, if I wanted to do and leverage zero copy cloning or making sure I'm using the RBAC properly, or how do I put my data structures through a, what a developer's typical CICD process, right? All of that in a Snowflake perspective was you have to build it or do it manually. It, it was time consuming to say, how do I get data ops out of the box, basically <laughs> automated all of that, right? So on day one, you're doing your dev to QA to production, you're, you're doing the, the branching, it's managing, it's leveraging, which I think is great, the features of Snowflake in a way to give you that um, speed to market, right? It's leveraging zero copy cloning, right? In your development, in your QA, in an appropriate way. Um, so in the, when I've brought it in, everything that we do and have done in Snowflake is, you know, handled as code, much like you would do with your development lifecycle in a DevOps, right? Um, so when you're looking to do automation, you know, a lot of the automation, data vault automation tools will do your, they'll they'll generate your ELT, right? In your, in your, um, in that part of the data vault, but what about the rest of it? You know, getting all that code and getting all that data into Snowflake and then managing it. And we talk about Snowflake and we start talking about, you know, cost management. Are you using virtual warehouses the proper way? Are you using, like I've seen organizations physically cloning data to do their development, right? Yeah. Um, this just <clears throat> says, okay, let me, let's help protect you from yourself, right? And letting a, a product like data ops manage that data ops, you know, um, pipeline. And to me, that just brought an an additional aspect of automation to get that time to market versus I get to build an orchestration solution. I get to build a CICD pipeline for my DDL. How am I going to handle my, my QA and making sure that the, that the grants, when I do the zero copy clone are, are handled, it just goes on and on those things you'd have to manage without a data ops solution. Yeah, and, and I think just to be clear, you're specifically talking about the DataOps.Live platform right. itself with, that has yeah. all of these features yeah. um, and, and making this stuff available. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. on, Snow, on Snowflake, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so 
do you think it's actually possible for organizations to deliver value at the speed we're being um, requested to if you're not being agile or using some form of this kind of you know data ops and we'll say a data ops in quotes automation right. I, I don't think so I mean I think your business will get frustrated with with IT right if you're not bringing some type of automation capabilities to to the table right the the point of being agile right is that hey let's pick in a sprint we should be constantly bringing business value with every sprint right and in order to do that the i was call it the mundane tasks right the 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 other you know you need to get those out of the way and and be and be um automated you know getting organizations to understand to invest in in sometimes automation can be you know the nature of many developers was i want to build that right i can build that 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 sounds fun right but you know we do this for the we say this all the time right we're in this game for the business right not for for the sake of IT getting to do kinds of really neat things, right? Yeah, we want to be innovative, but in order to meet the business needs, we got to be agile, we got to be automated. And, you know, whether you're, you know, trying to build an automation solution yourself or, you know, more and more, there are more and more solutions now coming out on the market um, that I just think if in order to be going at the speed of business, automation is, is you know, key for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I think that, I mean, the, the whole Monday track at the the Data Vault conference even was you know focused on this business value conversation, because as technologists we often get what you just said you get developers and engineers basically it's like name that tune I can build that code in four lines right, right? Uh, yes but how long is it going to take you to maintain it oh yeah yeah I can deliver you know I can have that code written in one hour but yeah how long will it take before it actually works right. <laughs> <laughs> and now what I find is like, well, you know, not a single automation tool will bring it end to end. So now I, I tend to work with developers and say, well, we have a bridge. We have a bridge, a gap between this automation tool and this automation tool. That's where we want to let's invest. How do we make this tool and this tool play nice together? Go right. from their API to their API versus let's build our own, you know, other product and something that's on the market. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh we, uh, you know, step up a level and talk about the uh, the philosophy of, of true data ops. And then we've got seven pillars there. I wanted to get your uh, your kind of review on, you know, which which of those uh, have, do you, I'll say, I guess, uh, align with the most or think are, are the most critical for uh, for being successful? Well, if we look at all seven, you can sit there and say, well, they're, they're all, <laughs> there's reason why they're on the list, right? right? They're all yeah. there. They're all required, yes. But... <laughs> You know, if I was to pick one that I've seen recently that really, I would say automation is, is helped, and it's in the, to me, in the environment management side of things, right, in terms of I've seen organizations struggle in how do I manage between the dev and my QA and um, getting that code to, to to really go, and that's why even when I was looking at dataops.live is is I can now automate that. So to me, I saw that with organizations, they would trip on that aspect of it. We get the, great, we've generated our code, whether it be data vault code or, or general ELT code. And now I need to get it out there. And, you know, that part also slowing down the process. Um, because, oh, I, I got to send the DDL to the DBA and the DBA is going to run the DDL and then I get somebody else. And it's just, I think now that being able to, with a data ops.live type scenario and automation around the environment management, it 
it doesn't become as a stumbling stumbling block, right? So you almost take like the you know continuous integration and the environment management kind of from my perspective are are ones that I've seen lately that um, I think um, can trip an organization up if you don't have the right processes in, in play. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one of the other ones, you know, again, based on, you know, Heli's talk, the whole uh, autom- automated testing and monitoring, yeah. right? On top of that, it's like you, you talk about automating the environment management and all that and deploying the DDL and all of that. Well, if we don't actually test what we're deploying, then <clears throat> the possibility of these things falling apart, even with automation, are... Yeah. Uh, probably we're probably magnifying it, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, the agile fail fast, right? You know, we're, yeah. we're doing things a lot faster. So yeah, I guess that means we could have more failures faster. So how do you, you, you manage that in a, in a data ops life cycle, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and seeing now, even some of the projects I'm on is you're embedding that testing. You know, we talked about the environment management and the CICD, but embedding that testing within that, right? So that it's not a reactionary thing that you're doing, but it's a proactive thing that you're doing as part of your, your life cycle. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick that either because they're all seven are important when you look at them, you're like, well, yeah, but I need that and I need that. So, uh, but it really is a uh, key to, to all of these for sure yeah yeah and it's it, it, it harkens back to the days of uh, test-driven development you remember that right? yes and it's like but n- now we're finally getting it into into the data world because that's always been a question it's like well how do, how do I how do I test my ETL? Well, okay, well, we don't do ETL. We do ELT for one. Yeah. It makes it a little bit easier, right? We're doing it yeah. in the database. Um, but you have to think through the, the, the process, right? Is what are we trying to accomplish and what value are we trying to deliver? And what are our metrics for that? How do we know that we're doing it? And yeah. how do we know we're providing good quality data? Um, and it's and it's interesting because it's automated testing and monitoring because one of the things that can happen as you know is your things can go wrong in your feeds so mm-hmm. you might not be deploying anything new but how do you know everything's running the way it's supposed to run how do you right. know that you're you're getting the data you think you're supposed to get that you know one yeah. of your sources didn't go belly up and you know you're expecting a terabyte of data and it doesn't show up right is yeah. somebody is there a process in place to check that and make yep. sure, like you said, people want things like in practically nanoseconds now, they're right? near yep. real time. Uh, and somebody goes and runs a report. It's like, well, that doesn't look right. Where, where, yep. Where's my, where's my data? Oh crap. Yep. Nobody, nobody noticed that this big load didn't run. Well, they didn't have any automated monitoring going on. You yep. know, the observability part piece wasn't there. Yep. And somebody had mentioned in the, in the chat, right, JSON, and as more and more sources are coming into these, you know, uh, semi-structured things, they're not, you know, getting those hard rule checks in part of that quality as well. Like I've seen dates, it's supposed to be a date, but it's not a properly formatted date, right? And you want to know that before somebody goes to use it, that that's not a properly formatted date. So in that, right, that automated testing and that monitoring, it's like when that data is coming in, is it as a data date? Is an integer an integer? Is a you know those types of things I've seen. If when the business, if you're trying to look at it when the business is going to use it, you know you might be too late. So, yeah, it, it's it that that data quality is definitely, uh, um, and it's just not like the valid values, but is is the data type and the um, yeah quality of that data good? Yeah, <laughs> data type. Yeah, that's kind of, <laughs> kind of a key. Yes. So, so somebody altered the source system and it went from from being a uh, 
a, a number to a date or a date to a number. And in this case, like you said, with JSON, there, there's no controls like that at all. It's, it's, right. it, it's all technically character string data. And if the format's not right, you know, you may have the, like you said, the data type conversion in there. You, you know, it's supposed right. to be a date. You know, that key is supposed to be a date, but it's, it's not right. Because right. something's not right. Yeah. No, that's uh, yeah. that, that is kind of a, a critical piece. And I think that's where the whole, um, you know, schema on read, we don't need no stinking data model stuff kind yes. of fell apart, right? You know, I, I when I go with my, you know, I learned relational modeling was the first thing I ever did, right? Referential integrity and all of that stuff. And, you know, as you've gone to some of these semi-structured things, the referential integrity, referential integrity has gone away and some of that stuff is, so some of those things you didn't worry about because you couldn't insert data into a table if it didn't have the right data type. Well, now you can, and and so it, those are back to that testing. Is you you've got to look for that type of stuff now because eventually, if you want to put it into a structured table, you can't load something with month thirteen right into uh, into a data type of of. Uh, and I found people just put string. Oh, let's just load into a string. Well, you just push the problem down the down, down, right. the, down, down the track. So yeah, yeah, but yeah. The date maybe. math is not going to work if it's a string. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and luckily Snowflake has uh, functions in their uh, I'll call it the JSON SQL aspect of Snowflake that allow you to test those sorts of things as well. Yep. If you, but that does mean wow, you, you've got to have a data model because you have to know your data. At yep. some point, you have to look at that, even if it is is JSON, uh, to look at what is there, what's supposed to be there. And again, we're talking about delivering business value. Is yep. the data there that the business needs? Yep. And you know, throwing in some of these data ops principles of you know how are we going to how are we going to make sure that that's right? Correct. Um, all all very important. So, um, quick. People, processes, and technology. We talked about that a lot two weeks ago. It's like, what do you think is really the biggest barrier for organizations to be successful today out of those? Um, well, I'm going to start with people. <laughs> um, and then obviously, because sometimes the people can get in, you can get into the politics of, of, of an organization, right? In terms of, so sometimes in, in, in to even deliver um, a, I'll just go with with data vault. If you want to do the data vault methodology, are the people bought in? Are the people bought into the methodology, the architecture? What is that you're going to do? And then getting the right people, you know, understanding that. Then, then if I was rank ordering them, then then to me, like the, the getting the processes to fit it. But, you know, I I find my biggest struggle is just getting people to to um, to buy in, not like to buy into what you need to do, what the strategy needs to be, but then the right people to execute on that, right? And so you can go and get Snowflake and DataOps Live and, you know, DBT and all this other stuff, but it's just technology that'll sit there on a shelf, right? If you don't right. have the right, the right people to uh, to kind of get it going and then putting that process around it. So I, I tend to make sure when we're going on the way is you have the right people involved and the right people, are they going to be the, a resistance to what you're doing and, and challenging it? Um, or are they going to be bought in and let's go and, and let, let's go in the right direction. So that's, that's from my perspective, what, what, you know, I see as a big, as a barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we're actually coming up on time already, but I want to give yeah. you a chance to, you're involved in so many things. So uh, where, where, what's the best way for people to follow you? What are some of the things coming up on your Snowflake Data Superhero and your Data Vault 
uh, farm. Yeah. I, I know, I know there's something coming up in another week or so. Yeah. So next week I will be at a, uh, a, uh, snowflake user group live in Chicago. Um, so that, that, that will be an in-person and then that one we'll be discussing, um, uh, data modeling. So we'll get back to this fundamentals of data modeling and then what data modeling capabilities our organizations using in Snowflake. So that one is in Chicago. Um, and that is with, like I said, Snowflake and uh, SQL DBM um, as the, uh, I think the sponsors of, of that event. Um, I can be followed on LinkedIn. I mean, I try to be pretty active on LinkedIn, depending on what's going on. I'm not sometimes as active as I want to be, but then I'll also be at Summit in uh, What's that? A little over June. a month yeah, and a half. Uh, yeah, is this, so, yeah. end of June, last week, yeah. last week of June. Yeah. Oh, and and something that hasn't been. So this is kind of breaking news. Um, but something that hasn't been out. But we will be doing as part of the superheroes. We are doing a new show called Behind the Cape, where each. <laughs> so we, I will be hosting um, other superheroes, and we will be talking about what our superheroes doing with Snowflake out in the quote unquote real world um, oh, wow. and what capabilities and stuff. So each week I will be having on a, another data superhero to kind of show their superhero powers and uh, and what they're doing with Snowflake. So a lot going on, as you said, but, you know, I enjoy talking about data in uh, um, Snowflake and all kinds of other data vault. So it's great. But the good news is there's at least two in-person events. You got yep. the one coming up in Chicago and then uh, Snowflake Summit, which will be in person. And, you know, we, yeah. we just came off of the in-person data vault conference. I'm, I'm glad to see we're we're all kind of getting back to that that yes yeah the the videos and podcasts and all this and recordings are great for people who uh you know want want to keep up on what's happening but you know it's nothing nothing better than uh, being there in person right yeah absolutely it's sometimes getting away from the two-dimensional perspective so i start seeing (laughs) oh you're taller than i thought (laughs) or in my case shorter Shorter. not as as tall as i thought you were going to be Exactly. Yeah. So. <laughs> Gotten that one a couple of times, actually. Yeah. Well, well, Keith, this has been great. Thanks. Thanks for being my guest today. Um, and, and thanks for everyone who was live online and the interaction and the comments. We really appreciate that. Uh, but be sure to join me again in two weeks when my guest is going to be thought leader and podcaster Sanjeev Mohan. Uh, he, I've actually been on his podcast about a year or so ago, so I get to reverse the roles with him here in, in two weeks. Uh, and of course, uh, be sure to uh, like like the replays and tweet, retweet, repost our, our LinkedIn uh, feed on this particular podcast. And be sure to tell all your friends about the True Data Ops podcast. And they can go to truedataops.org to uh, register so that you get the proactive notification. So you don't have to remember which week this is. Is this a podcast week or is this not a podcast week? So you can go check all that out. All right. Well, thanks again, Keith. Great no, talking to you. Having me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, until next time, everyone, this is Kent Graziano, the Data Warrior, signing off for now. Bye, everybody.